Vox Quick Hits. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A big part of what makes our show special is you, our listeners. That's why we'd like your help to plan for our future by filling out a short survey. Your responses will help us understand who's listening, what kinds of content our audience is looking for, and hopefully, how we can reach even more people. Go to vox.com survey. That's vox.com survey. There was a lot of pressure to become a better person during the pandemic. To pick up a new skill or a new hobby, to bake bread or learn a new language or catch up on books. People on Twitter noted that Shakespeare wrote King Lear during a plague. At the very least, couldn't you tie-dye a shirt? For a lot of people, that pressure was hard. We were in the midst of a global public health crisis, one that's still ongoing. It didn't exactly feel like a prime moment to up productivity. Lockdown wasn't a sabbatical. And yet, some people, including employers, are treating it like it should have been. Vox's Anna North is here to discuss why we feel the need to get better instead of just making it through. This is Tell Me More. I'm Emily Stewart. So Anna, you've written a lot about pandemic life and work culture, and you just wrote about pandemic productivity. Can you explain kind of A, what that is, and B, why you decided to write about it? Yeah, so I think we've had this discourse since the very beginning of the pandemic, or at least since, you know, lockdown started in the United States, of sort of some people have had this idea that Americans are going to have a lot more free time now, and how should we use it? You know, we saw this in March and April of 2020 with people talking about, like, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during quarantine, so you can do all manner of, you know, creative and wonderful endeavors. And we've seen various different cycles of pushback and critique around that for the last 15, 18 months. But it came to sort of a head again, I think, recently. I noticed this tweet by someone named Niall Anderson. He's he's actually in Dublin. He tweeted, I don't want to alarm anyone, but I've just been asked in a job interview if I use lockdown to pursue any passion projects or personal development. Uh-huh. Um, and this one's super viral. A lot of people were talking about it. it was fairly disturbing, the idea <laughs> that someone would be asked this or that, you know, somehow being productive during a horrible public health crisis would be a job requirement. And that just sort of got me thinking about this whole discourse cycle around pandemic productivity yet again. Yeah, I mean... A lot of people did take up new hobbies during lockdown, though I will say I am not one of them. I never want to bake bread, no matter what the global context. But you're not exactly talking about new hobbies, right? 
No, I mean, um, you know, and, and I also sort of tried to, to do hobbies uh, during various times in the last year. I tried to get better at baking with like mixed success. Um, you know, I think there's an important distinction to be made between the things that we might individually do to try to cope with our situations or, you know, try to lift our spirits. Obviously, a lot of people have turned to different hobbies or interests during this time if they've been able to. There's a distinction between that and sort of pressure from the outside to be productive or to, you know, constantly be using our supposed free time in, in this capitalism-approved way. And I, I think that pressure really ignores the reality of what a lot of people have been facing, which is, first of all, a lot of people didn't have more free time, right. don't have more free time, um, you know, from people who were working as essential workers, as frontline workers, to people who have been caring for children or caring for elderly relatives or sick relatives. You know, there's a lot of folks for whom there was less free time and there is less free time during the pandemic um, than there was before. And even for people who have been relatively lucky, you know, maybe you are able to shelter at home. You know, I've been I've been working at home this year. It's also scary. I mean, it's scary to live during a pandemic. I think a lot of people can relate to this. You know, if you have lost a loved one, it's traumatic. There's grief. And even, again, if you've been lucky, your family's been spared, you know, there's the constant anxiety of trying to make sure you don't catch this potentially deadly virus. And it's not exactly the best environment for writing King Lear, for lack of a better comparison. Yeah. I mean, why do we feel like this? Like, why does it feel like we should be doing work during, you know, hopefully what is once in a lifetime global event? I think it's a couple things. Some experts I spoke with sort of talked about this idea of toxic positivity, where especially in American culture, there's this fear of accepting that anything is bad. And so this idea that we have to constantly be making lemons out of our lemonade. If something's bad, we're going to make it good. And again, there's nothing wrong with an individual person trying to find a silver lining. But I think this pressure to make everything a silver lining can be damaging. Mm -hmm. But then more perhaps to your point, there's, you know, sort of a feature of the phase of capitalism that we find ourselves in is, is this feeling that we should always be being productive and I, I think that came into really sharp focus a lot during the pandemic when people's job situations became really insecure. A lot of people were laid off. Millions of people were laid off. A lot of people were in fear of a layoff. Even before then, there was intense precarity in the American workforce. So there's a sense always that, you know, you could lose your job at any time. You could lose your benefits at any time. And the message that a lot of us have sort of gotten is that the way that we fight against that is by constantly optimizing ourselves. You know, you get a side hustle, you get another side hustle. Um, I'm thinking about this other viral tweet actually from earlier in 2020 by a marketing CEO who said like, you know, if you didn't use the lockdown to learn a new skill or start a business, you know, quote, you didn't ever lack the time, you lack the discipline. So this idea that we all sort of have the responsibility under late capitalism to be spending every moment to optimize ourselves. Like, even if your boss isn't telling you to work, you should be working. Mm -hmm. I think that's become just this really important feature of our time, and it can be really damaging. Yeah. And another aspect of this narrative is that it's rooted in this idea that the pandemic is over. But obviously, that's not the case. We're seeing cases rise in a lot of parts in the country as people are not vaccinated. And certainly around the world, the pandemic isn't over. 
Yeah, I think one reason that I wanted to write about this now, when a lot has already been written about this concept of pandemic productivity, right? Constance Grady of Ox wrote this wonderful piece um, in April of 2020 that I drew on a lot. The reason I wanted to return to it is that I feel like there's already started to be this sense of like, okay, pandemic's done. What did we learn? How did we grow? Let's like put a bow on it and and talk about our lessons and kind of move on. Mm -hmm. And we're just truly not there yet. I mean, we're not there yet as a country from a public health perspective. We're certainly not there yet as a world from a public health perspective when, um, you know, it still remains a small minority of people worldwide who've been vaccinated. People don't have access to the vaccines that we have in the United States. But even, like, even if you're here and you've been vaccinated, folks might not be ready to put a bow on this. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, number one, you know, cases are rising. We don't know. We still are not sure necessarily of our safety day to day. And more broadly, for a lot of people, this has been a traumatic event and people all process that in different ways. And I think it's fine to want to learn from trauma. At the same time, it's a lot to expect people, you know, while the pandemic is still going on to be like, these are my three lessons. This is how I've grown. And part of my impetus to write this piece was really to talk to experts about, you know, how do we process trauma? How much time do we need? And, you know, really a lot of consensus was we're not going to process this quickly as a nation, as a society. We're not done. We're not close to done. And just emotionally, a lot of us are going to need space before we decide, you know, this this is what we've learned. And more broadly, like, it's a luxury to be able to say, like, this is what I've learned from this. You know, like, this is an event of enormous loss. And, you know, I talked to a lot of folks who said versions of, like, if you survived, you can you can call that a win. Like, are you breathing today? You know, and that sounds dark, but, like, this has been a dark time, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And how do you think we'll see this, I guess, play out over the long term? I think there's been a really interesting shift in the way that we think and talk about work over the last few months, maybe as the economy sort of reopens, as workers kind of get called back to their jobs and in some cases decide that they don't want to go back to their jobs. You know, we've seen a real sort of large-scale reevaluation of the role that work is supposed to play in people's lives. And, you know, to some degree we've seen, this is really complicated, but to some degree we've seen workers have a little bit more leverage you know, we're seeing higher higher rates of people quitting their jobs. We're seeing people question whether they want to go back into service jobs that weren't treating them particularly well pre-pandemic and certainly not mid-pandemic. And I think the question now is like, we're in this moment where workers seem to have a tiny bit of power, but workers have been really systematically disempowered by a lot of labor law and culture for the last many decades. So are we going to see this moment be sustained? Are we going to see legislative changes and cultural changes that will actually let workers over the long term say, these are the conditions that I will and won't tolerate? Or is this going to be more of a blip where things are still shaking out in the pandemic and once it's farther in the rearview mirror, we just go back to business as usual? I think it's too soon to tell yet which of those it will be. Right. And I guess if you're going to be hearing questions in interviews that are, how did you fix yourself and become a better person (laughs) (laughs) during the pandemic might not be a super, you know, great sign, I guess. No, not not a good sign necessarily. Well, thanks so much for being here, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Anna North is a senior correspondent at Vox, and you can find her on Twitter at Anna North Tweets. 
This episode of Tell Me More was produced and engineered by Sophie Lalonde. You can find more stories from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. 